Happy New Year, everybody. I thought for 2021 to kick off the talks, we could all use a little inspiration and motivation. And who better to bring on than Bashar Wali. Bashar is an independent hotelier, influencer, and leader. And if you know Bashar, he truly believes in hospitality and in the human connection. I love this talk, I think you will too. So bye bye to 2020 and cheers to 2021. Bashar Wali, thank you for joining me. First TikToks of the year. Uh, happy New Year to your brother. Thank you. Same to you. Delighted to be your first. Uh, you are the first. I mean, I wanted to. Okay. Listen, I think you're like the unofficial philosopher of the industry. Oh, so boy. Who better than uh, Bashar to come give you some words of wisdom for the new year? That's a very nice way of saying I'm full of it. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> We've all heard you talk enough. We, we, we can make our own decisions. I do talk enough. <laughs> Uh, all right, I love it. So we're going to get into 2021, but I do this with everybody. And you're, I want to hear their backstory, and yours is uh, as fascinating as anyone's. Uh, you know, especially in this industry that we're in, right? We're in an industry of immigrants, uh, new world, world of opportunity, uh, entrepreneurial spirit, um, and you you embody that. So, please tell us your backstory and how you got here and how you got into this industry. So I was born in Damascus, Syria, in the Middle East. Um, Dad was here in the '60s, single and loved America and wanted to truly live the American dream. And true to his words, went back home, got married, had kids, and essentially shipped us out one at a time right after high school to go to college here, and then they all followed. So I often tell people, and I I preach this a lot, and I'll tear up when I talk about it is, don't ever let any president, administration, someone take away your belief in the American dream because I live it every day. And man, this country has been amazing to me and it is my adopted country. There's no other country on earth like America. So I preach this gospel all the time that as much as we complain about it, I want to see all those who complain, try to live somewhere else and see how much they will hate it. So my story is a story of immigrant. I came here after college and uh, worked my way through college, worked full time to put myself through college, and uh, here I am. No, no, no silver spoon. Nobody handed me anything. I worked my butt off to get to where I got, and really out of hard work and tenacity and luck. Although I tell people, you make your luck. You don't wait for it. All right. So, how'd you get into hotels, and why hotels? Why not banking or? environmental studies or something? I mean, that is not a good question to ask at the end of 2020 because maybe I'm regretting that decision. Just kidding. So honestly, it was by accident. I always thought I'd do international relations, World Bank, United Nations, something like that. As we said earlier, I'm full of it. So I'd be good at that sort of, you know, debating and sort of world stage. Honestly, it was a means to an end. I wish I could tell it was by design. I I needed a college to accept me to get the visa. We knew somebody who knew somebody who happened to be, I went to Johnson Wales University in Providence and I managed to get accepted in. And that's why I ended up doing hospitality. Now, interestingly enough, in retrospect, as I think about it, it was never a career for me, but there's a saying in the Middle East that goes something like, when someone shows up at your door, feed him and nurture him for three days before you ask him who he is, where he's from or where he's going to. Because by then he'll either be strong enough to answer or you'll be such good friends, it doesn't matter. So this notion of hospitality has truly always been ingrained in me in my upbringing. And I tell people, it's funny, I'm married to an American girl, Eileen, and early on in our marriage, we talk about like, I want our door open. Like I never want to eat dinner alone. I never, I never remember eating dinner, dinner alone. There's always people coming and going. So this idea of hosting and feeding and really being amongst friends always is so integral to my upbringing that I think 
hospitality, although I fell into it accidentally, it truly is sort of an innate need that I have to host and care for people and make sure people are happy and, and you know, well cared for. Uh, that's why I called you the philosopher of our industry. There you go. <laughs> it's those deep thoughts that we get. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, listen, I think as humans, it's an important thing for us. And, you know, we talk a lot about our industry is you either catch the bug or you don't, right? You, this is a terrible job to do because you're working holidays and weekends and overnights and, 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 and the pay is mediocre. But I think those who, who really enjoy it are those who have that innate need as humans to serve others. And you see that, by the way, in Asia, we talk a lot about levels of service. There's a whole second level of service in Asia. And people say it's cheap labor or it's subservient. It's none of that. It truly is this idea of wanting, loving. It, 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 is, an act of, it, it is an act of kindness to make sure we serve others. So there's definitely something there, I think. So do you consider yourself a real estate guy or an operations guy? I mean, fortunately, my career was split in half. I've done half of it in operations, and I truly did it, you know, in, in the 90s where there was no early 90s, no, no management training programs because the economy was, was in bad shape. So I've worked my way up. I, I've literally cleaned toilets, again, not in a management training program. I actually worked it. I worked on audit accounting, et cetera. So I, I, I like to say I can fry an egg and negotiate a, you know, several hundred million dollar CMBS deal at the same time which I think is an interesting perspective because I didn't learn about it actuarially. I actually did the work. So I'd say, I'd say I wear both hats equally as good. My, my passion though is with people. So I'd much rather be in the trenches working with folks than being behind the desk pushing paper. All right. I, I buy that. And you're obviously a people person. So people want to follow For you. Sure. For so, sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, a knit industry question though, like you're big into the indie world, right? I mean, you were sort of an early adopter, founder into the boutique, uh, independent sure. hotel world. Uh, oh, by the way, our industry happens to be heavily branded. But talk to me about how you got into the ind independent world. Talk to me about the indie culture. Sure. I mean, I've always, I've always sort of fell in that world, the idea of this most overused word that I hate, this idea of authenticity. And to me, authenticity is really having an unapologetic point of view. Not in an arrogant F you kind of way, but it's sort of in a, in a listen, if I'm going to do, a, I don't know, a nautical hotel, I'm going to do a nautical hotel and I'm going to go all in. And whether you like it or don't, I'm not going to be for everybody, but that's my unapologetic point of view, which will attract many because authenticity generally attract people that like that thing, but it may alienate some and that's okay. And early on, that was sort of the, the, non-brand approach to everything because everything was unique and unapologetic and had a really strong point of view as opposed to that same, 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 same. So it was really attractive to me. And you think about the last decade that we've had, I call it the golden age of the Indies. I mean, Im imagine this, you go to Prague 10 years ago, no internet, you didn't want to think about it. You don't want to take any chances. You're going to stay at the Marriott because you know exactly where you're going to get. It's the same Marriott that's in Washington DC that's in Prague. And you're going to go, probably, you'll see a TGI Fridays and be like, score, I know exactly what I'm going to get. I know what I'm going to order. Fast forward to the age of the internet that sort of democratized that process. You wouldn't be caught dead in a Marriott in Prague or let alone in TGI Fridays because when you post about it on Instagram, your friends are going to unfollow you because they're going to be so embarrassed that you went to TGI Fridays in Prague. And the idea was that the internet really opened up that world for you because now you could see photos of the menu get peer review from people you like and respect that tell you what, how good the food is. Look at the dish you're going to order in person. 
So it kind of eliminated the need for brands. It truly became, brand to me was what gave you certainty. And ultimately with the internet solving that issue for you, you don't need that certainty anymore. You have peer review, real time certainty from people you like and trust. So we had a really incredible time growing our business. And it was very easy, right? You stuck a piece of art in the lobby, you brought in the local roaster, and even though the building may have been mediocre at best in terms of the bones, people ate that stuff up, right? And the brands caught on and they realized we were starting to eat their lunch, so they launched the soft brands, which early on, we all laughed at them, right? I was one, I'm like, yeah, whatever, they'll never, they don't get it, they'll never get it. And we discounted them. And you fast forward now to today, building a boutique hotel for the lack of a better term, there's a guide on how to do it, right? And we are an industry of lemmings. We all follow each other and copy each other to our own detriment in many cases. So all of a sudden, we want to do a boutique hotel, check Edison bulbs, check uh, 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 wood, you know, walnut and brass, check local coffee roaster, check, local, check, 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 check. So all of a sudden, what was once boutique and unique, all of a sudden, it all started looking the same. Meanwhile, the brands are hard at work, right? They realize they're not going to let us eat their lunch. They're no dummies. They're working, they're working, they're working on the soft brands. So this pandemic has really caused us to pause. So I'll just use myself as an example. I pause and I say, am I truly an independent hotel at the end of the day? If I'm honest with myself, if I stand there and look in the mirror, am I an independent hotel? And the, and the fact of the matter is, we're not anymore. We are all branded. Our brand happens to be Expedia because our need for the OTAs and our reliance on the OTAs has become insatiable because it's hard to acquire customers, right? So all of a sudden, we're hating on the brands, on the soft brands, I'm talking about the soft brands, we're hating on them. We don't wanna pay Marriott 10, 11, 12, 13% or Hilton or any of those guys, yet we're delighted to pay Expedia 20 to 30%. So if you start thinking about it from that lens and you put your ego aside for a minute, and you say, look, I'm gonna go to an autograph hotel. And early on in fairness, Autograph reached out to us way early when they did Kessler, because we happened to be a great portfolio for them in my previous gig to kind of compliment Kessler. And they couldn't demonstrate how they could deliver results. And they were still rigid about all their things, but they realized they can't remain that way. And now I think of soft brands, it's truly the best of both worlds, because you truly have that independent spirit that allows you to do what you want on the front. But why do I keep insisting on reinventing the engine with every car I create? There's a proven engine that works, that's called Marriott, stick it in the car and forget about it. And having that engine inside gives the customer a bit more reliance. And really the pandemic showed us that because the brands can spend tens of millions figuring out how to handle the pandemic and partnering with Lysol and all of those guys. The indie guys are banging their head against the wall. They don't have the resources, they don't have the means, they don't have the time to figure it out. So, so my new stand is, we live in a non-binary world anymore, right? It's not right or wrong, it's not black and white. There's always room for brands, there's always room for indies. But as I think about it, it really seems that soft brands are truly the best of both worlds. Uh, that is so well said, and I love that. Uh, you answered a lot of my questions there. So where do you think we are going forward? Meaning, and I'll, I'll ask, and I think you might have answered it, but we needed the brands, right? Mm -hmm. And then we got away, it was easy to get away from the brands pre-COVID, because you want to be unique and different. And now, do we need to race back to the brands because we need a shelter from the storm? Or have we learned a lot about working independently? I mean, the first thing to go candidly was brand standards, franchise fees, et cetera. That was the first thing that got cut in this pandemic. So where do we see us going from here? I mean, look, if you are doing Chiltern Firehouse in London, the Andre Velas did, 
you can't be a brand of any kind. You're an iconic one of a kind, right? Chateau Marmont can never be a brand. It's one of a kind. So I think there's always places for the truly indies. And it is harder for you to figure it out. But the brands know if you're an indie and you want to figure out what to do with the pandemic, right? You go stay at a Hilton, you follow all the steps that they did, call it something else and do it yourself. And again, we're lemmings, right? We copy each other. So I think post pandemic, there's always room for both. Those who panic may jump to the brands thinking it's the only path. It's not the only path, it's a logical path. So I think you'll see a lot of conversions, particularly to soft brands out of the Indies. The more important thing that's non-pandemic related in my opinion, really has been this customer acquisition. We have tried so many times to try to find a way to manage loyalty and manage uh, repeat guests and manage preferences. And it takes tens of millions of dollars of development that we don't have. Third parties have attempted sort of this idea of indie point system providers, CRM providers. The brand give you the platform to manage all of this, making customer acquisition easier. And look, I'm, I'm, I'll still trash the brands a little bit. This idea of loyalty, you know, it's loyalty slash bribery. Let's call it what it is. You're giving me the points, I'm coming to you. But as a frequent traveler, as I'm sure you are, I don't stay at a Marriott or a Hilton or any of those for the points. I stay for the recognition because I could care less about your points. But if you know what I like and you're giving me that late checkout and you're giving me the kind of room I like because it's easier for you to accomplish that, that's, I think, the advantage to having the brands and having that back engine of the brands helping you. So in a post-pandemic world, I think you'll see a lot jumping to the brands for certainty. And, you know, Wall Street used to be brands only, and they've opened up to sort of the idea of non-binary. We'll, we'll, we'll look at indies. I think in a post-pandemic world, because of customer acquisition and the idea of the reliance on the brand, you'll see a lot of moves. It doesn't mean indies go away. I'm not calling that they go away. I think there's a place for a traditional, old-school, just Hilton. There's a place for an autograph, and there's a place for one-of-a-kind indie. And tell me, where does Airbnb fit into all of this? I mean, look, Airbnb, early on, I was always a fan. And, you know, my, my industry brethren were like, yeah, Airbnb, it's going to go away. It's not the same. But, but you see what they're doing. They are creeping into the hospitality, into the hotel business with Hotel Tonight and all of the other moves that they made. They're here to stay. This home sharing is here to stay. I think for the foreseeable future, there are things that a Airbnb could never replace that you get in a hotel. And I talk often about this idea of this sort of blanket and this sense of security. When you close your hotel room door, it is yours. You can jump naked on the bed. You can do anything you want. You have zero worries about what's happening. It's your own personal private space. Airbnb, there's always that thing in the back of your mind. Is that a smoke detector or is it a camera? Well, who else has a key, et cetera, et cetera. Our job as hoteliers becomes to sort of mitigate the Airbnb effect, I call it. I chose to go to Atlanta, stay in, in an Airbnb in, 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 in whatever, some, some in, in, you know, near Pond City Market to get that sort of kind of experience. And I think if a hotel can bring me that kind of localized experience, and again, an overused term, not with shock and awe and just go whatever, put a you know, photo of the Pond City Market in my room, but truly find those elements that you can bring into the hotel that mitigates that experience, I would always take a hotel over an Airbnb. But make, make no mistake about it, they're a formidable player. They're only going to get more important and more valuable in industry. And honestly, can't beat them, join them. We have and continue to use them as a platform for booking. We list our rooms on Airbnb. I'm not ashamed to say it. It makes sense, right? It's a different offering. We, uh, yeah, I think Airbnb is a competitor to Expedia. I feel like more than Marriott. 
and he'll for sure. I, I would say that, that yeah, because they're really just a booking platform at the right. end of the day. They don't own anything, right? But I think they're sort of kind of creeping into that business. They're creeping in everyone's business, but you're starting to see Google make a ton of moves in the hotel space, right? They're seeing how much money is left on the table, and they're saying we want a piece of that too. So they're starting to sort of slowly and methodically jump into it. Amazon, as you recall, a few years back tried to get into it. I was literally earlier that we were one of the first ones they launched with, and then abruptly within, I don't know, three, four, five months, abruptly without notice, they shut it down. I think Google is taking a more thoughtful approach to it. There's too much money on the table for these big companies to not jump in and become a booking platform. And Google, obviously, easy for them to do it. So yeah, Airbnb, I'm a fan, I'm a believer. I think their stock is only going to go up. And I think ultimately they're a formidable player that forces us to be better. And hopefully we're smarter than the taxi industry and Uber. We're not saying, oh, yeah, this will go away. We need to make sure we're at the top of our game and trying to refine our game to continue to play at a, at a level playing field. Uh, all right, I'm trying to get you uh, naked jumping, off, jumping on your bed out of my head. <laughs> um, so how do we separate ourselves from the, from the industry, from Airbnbs? Is it through operations? Is it through service, all the things you preach? Well, so what I preach at the end of the day in our industry is uh, we have removed the humanity out of hospitality, right? And the pandemic has become an excuse for people to say, score, let's cut out people, let's do the mobile check-in, let's do the kiosk check-in, let's eliminate humans. And fundamentally to me, I argue often, and this is one of my biggest preaches out there, people say we're in the service industry and I call foul on that. I say my dentist is in the service industry. Where I get my oil changed, they're in the service industry. Service is something you deliver, and a robot can do service. It's easy. You want your towel delivered to your room? Sure, a robot can bring it to you. Ultimately, I say we're in the hospitality industry, and the distinct difference is hospitality is how you make people feel. And ultimately, I jokingly say my judge of a great hotel is I want to be blindfolded with earplugs on and my nose plugged and walked into your, walk into your lobby and feel the warmth of your hospitality. It's sort of this nebulous, intangible thing. And to me, that only comes from humans. And funny enough, with Airbnb, you think about how brilliant their methodology is. When I go to book a room with Hilton, I feel like I'm going into the abyss, into this black hole corporate machine, right? And even though Betty is talking to me, Betty is a bot, it's not a person, right? You go to Airbnb and the first thing you get is a host. Teague is my host, he's a human, he has a face, and I'm going into his home. So I think, what, what would help us differentiate ourselves from Airbnb is I'm preaching in a post-pandemic world, using technology to remove the friction, not remove the humans, remove the friction from the process. So that way I'm not spending five minutes with you at the front desk asking you to sign stuff and your credit card and all that junk. I'd rather spend that five minutes with you, engaging with you, asking you who you are, where you come from, et cetera, and having that human connection with you, which I think will always be the biggest separator for Airbnb. Because by definition, I'm going to a strange city. I want to be hosted. I want to be cared for. I want, I want you to welcome me into your home. It's hard to do that with Airbnb because of no staff. And the idea is in hotels, we have humans that are standing there with open arms embracing you. So I think that will always be the most distinct difference. Give me a, an example of one of your best experiences in a hotel that you might have had. I mean, you travel a lot. I know you're- Oh man, it's, it's funny, yes. I'll, 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 I'll establish authority for a second. I, I, am, I am probably the most neurotic hotel guy you ever know. I never stay in any hotel more than once or one night. So if I'm in Manhattan three nights, I move three times every time. And I've stayed, you know, Baccarat for two grand a night and I've stayed at hostels for 50 bucks a night. 
So my current count in Manhattan and Williamsburg alone, no other boroughs, is 205 different hotels. Oh. So people say, what do you remember? I can't tell you what kind of tile Crosby's Street Hotel had or what kind of art was hanging on the wall at Ludlow. All I could say is the following. I say, I only remember when someone goes out of their way and genuinely gives a shit. What does that mean? Not every problem can be fixed, right? But if I come to you with a problem, pretend enough to convince me that you care and you've won. You've won me for life. So the story I give, I did this TED talk about this idea of human connections. And, you know, you travel so much. We're lucky you and I were connected in the hotel industry. Often people go out of their way and they're giving you these beautiful amenities and this fruit and cheese and expensive wine and all that stuff that ends up going to waste. Because I show up to my room at midnight. The stuff is crusty and sweaty by then. The wine, I don't care how expensive it is. I'm not touching it and I'm not bringing it home because I'm not checking my bag if my life depended on it. So, and the cards all say the same thing, right? Like literally you bought it out of a catalog. Dear Mr. Hunter, thanks for being here. If you need anything, please call on us. So this one time I go into this hotel, same spread. It's, it's rotten, it's sweaty by now. It was put in the room at 10 a.m. It's now midnight. Wine is there and there's a card not in an envelope. So I'm like, all right, it's my karma for the week. I'll read the card. So I go read the card and it's the soul crushing, same exact message from Cards R Us, right? And at the bottom it says, and by the way, the show Blackish is on channel nine at eight o'clock tonight. Holy God, I am like, what's ha what happened? I got trolled, but I like it. So I quickly jump on my computer to figure out what happened. I look at my, the public portion of my Facebook profile said that I like that show. Somebody spent 60 seconds, forget the wine, forget the labor that went into the cheese tray, forget, forget, forget. That card alone, I am yours for life. I am your loyal customer for life. So we lose sight of these Singular moment, listen, at the end of the day, I don't care what you say, you want to feel like a VIP, you want to feel like you're somebody, I want to feel like, a, like I'm a somebody. The fruit and cheese and wine, to me, is a checklist. Someone says, oh, it's VIP here, send them the typical. That card that said where my show is, someone gave a damn about me. They validated me. You know this Maslow need, uh, hierarchy need, whatever it's called, where they talk about the most important need for a human being is validation. Forget air and water and all that, but validation. And you get validated that way. And we, we, we have opportunities every day to take advantage of that, and we blow them as hotel people. Uh, I love the show Blackish, too. We joke about yeah. it in the office all the time. <laughs> uh, all right, so I'm going to pick on you. You're a traveler, right? You're a, a, a known traveler all the time. What's your travel been like in COVID? And what's it going to look like in 2021? Uh, my last flight was uh, Miami, Seattle, March 12th, I want to say. So I was at the bleeding edge of the no more travel. Exactly. And I, you know, the reason I've been married 25 years this year is because I traveled a lot. So I was worried about my marriage. So I actually traveled. But look, obviously, this is serious. It's affected so many people in horrible ways we can never imagine. I hope I don't have to live through it or imagine it lost lives, decimated lives as a result of this. So I only traveled when I needed to. I didn't do it for sport because that would be irresponsible. But I've traveled. I've traveled probably. I actually did the math this year. Traveled like 90,000 miles this year. A good chunk of it was in Q1. But I've taken flights responsibly. I've made sure I'm doing the right thing. I'm protecting myself and others. It's weird. Like I went to New York in September. It was really weird. I kind of enjoyed it in a way because it felt like it was mine. I wasn't sharing it with 10 million tourists. So there are interesting things about it, but it's, I think it's, it's really forced us to be introspective. And for those who are working, because it's slow, because you have the time, because we've all slowed down a little, I found myself engaging even more with folks on the ground 
whether it's the Uber driver or the person at the desk, etc. So it felt warm and fuzzy. It still felt weird, empty rooms with nothing there with the stickers on the door. But I, I think, look, the, the, the temporary COVID things, I call them, will be gone. We'll, we'll soon be gone. This, masks will be gone and hand sanitizers will be gone. And yeah, we're more cognizant of the idea of sanitation. But, you know, we all complain about when I was your age, we were eating dirt and that's why we don't get sick anymore. So I think soon enough we'll forget about it. The question is, how has travel been irrevocably changed? And it's an interesting concept because I sort of say, I like to look at human behavior, not trends, right? Because trends come and go. Human behavior takes tectonic shifts, decades to change. This idea of work from home and all of that, and we can talk about that in a minute. But, but my hope is how travel has changed is, Teague, who had zero reason to go to Thailand, zero interest, wasn't even in his top 20, booked Thailand, decided to go to Thailand because there was this one Instagram shot he had to get. So he can get likes from people he doesn't know nor like, because that was the reason for his existence, right? Is that social currency, that social currency. And I think having lived through the pandemic, we hope, I hope we've all realized now how shallow that is. I mean, you know the issue of over-tourism now because of these, and I'm guilty of it. I took my kid to Hong Kong and he dragged me to the outer skirts of Hong Kong because there's this one picture he had to take. So we're all guilty of it. So I think travel becomes hopefully more meaningful and I don't mean in a heavy kind of way because travel is supposed to be fun. But instead of going to Thailand for no reason except getting the Instagram shot, Teague is gonna go to Cincinnati because his best buddy from college he hasn't seen in 10 years lives there. And he's gonna go stay at the Days Inn for all I care, it doesn't matter. And his street cred now is taking that selfie with his buddy having a beer at a bar that doesn't matter, that's not Michelin-starred bar, because that's what matters now, is the idea we have a finite time on this planet and we're using it in such a shallow way that I hope it becomes more meaningful. So I, I'm always a preacher of the idea of these human connections and I hope that our travel has more of that infused in it than I have to go to Thailand to get that shot. I agree with you. And I think that hopefully that's one of the good things come out of COVID. I mean, I'm bougie, I know, but we used to go to Colorado and ski in Aspen every New Year's Christmas uh, with great friends. This year couldn't do it, couldn't get close. Uh, so we're in what I felt like was a townhome in Dunwoody, uh, but with really close friends and had a, had a blast. Right. And that, those, are, those are the memories you take with you at the end of the day, right? Not the answer. Now, look, I think we're going to see a ton of revenge travel as soon as things open because people are so cooped up they've got to get out of yeah. there, you and I included. So there'll be a lot of that sort of leisure revenge travel early on. But I think in the end, I think this has been – our industry has irrevocably been changed because it needed to change, and COVID expedited some of those changes. I don't think it caused them, but it's expedited. The, the, the things that COVID caused will go away eventually. We won't, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, oh, I'm, I, I better think about not catching polio today. Once it's gone, it's gone, you don't think about it. But I think we'll now think about, this could happen again, how do we create a more resilient industry to withstand another one of those if it were to happen? So uh, I love it, Bashar, this is great. And, and give me, uh, you know, maybe give me some words of wisdom, some, some insight on 2021, uh, inspire us. I think. I mean, look, I, I, I wish I, I want to inspire everyone, but here's what I've said. This is somewhat a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Don't leave your house if you think you're going to get sick. Obviously, protect yourself, protect your family, protect others. But ultimately, as soon as you feel safe, I worry about the lag between medical clearance and social clearance, I call it. If Fauci tomorrow said, okay, clear, go travel, Teague may not decide to travel because he still doesn't feel comfortable traveling. 
So we as industry leaders, I think, have the responsibility and obligation to say safely, considerately, thoughtfully, but we've got to preach that gospel and, and lead by example by getting on the road and traveling to encourage others to do it. Because someone is going to see you traveling and be like, okay, Teague is a smart guy. He's not going to put himself in harm. If he's traveling, then maybe I should think about it. So I think we need to preach that gospel and get out of this sitting on our hand, hands paralyzed, not knowing what to do. I think we need to get that economic engine moving again. And I think a lot of it is sort of positive mental thinking. We need to be thinking about traveling again. We need to be preaching the gospel again. I think personally, product, personal production prediction is I think, like I said, we'll see if them revenge travel in the summer. I think business travel doesn't come back in a sort of sustained manner until after Labor Day. I mean, you know, we're talking about Alice is now in July and all these conferences we go to are getting pushed. You'll start seeing some movement in the summer, but I want to see day after day after day, those Sunday through Thursday road warriors on the road again. I think you'll see more of that after Labor Day. All right, so two more, I got two more questions. One is you're really good uh, talking about leadership versus management, and I think that's an important differentiation here in this time. So, I mean, listen, it is, it is such a great question, and truth be told, many tried to manage their way out of the pandemic. Terrible, because what people needed what these humans whose lives have been decimated needed is even more than leadership. They needed, they needed camaraderie, they needed family, they needed love, right, and kindness. And, and the way I describe it is management is sending a letter out that says, dear employees, we're really sorry, but we have to do what we have to do. We're laying you off, and here's the paperwork for unemployment. That's management. Leadership is asking everyone in your building to sit in a room, engage with the employees, with a computer, show them how to fill out the paperwork, explaining it to them, being there for them. I had a conversation with the GM, fantastic GM. Everyone was laid off, the place was closed. He says, I have weekly calls, open calls for everyone, including the employees, to just update them. And yeah, I don't know any more than they do about the pandemic, but it's always nice to hear from a voice of authority, to reassure, to say we're all in this together, we're watching it closely together. So this idea of being there for each other and being kind and showing a lot of kindness, to me, those are, those are the people that win big in the future versus the people that are managers. And I use this example, yeah, sure, we sent a letter to all the vendors, we all had to do it. Sorry, we can't pay you, the hotel is closed, bear with us, hopefully we'll come back soon. And it was easy to not take any calls, inbound calls, because you can point, refer people to the letter. But Joe the Fisherman, who you owe two grand to, whose life will be changed with your two grand, and yours won't matter, you better take his damn call. And you better make that decision to pay him. So not everything is, again, black and white. We kind of say, okay, we sent a letter, we don't pay anyone, period. Well, you can't do it that way. You have to deal with humans as humans with different circumstances. That, to me, is the difference between leaders, leader and man leadership and management. And I hate that word management. It's such a passive, bureaucratic word. Uh, it's so well said, and that's why you're a great leader, uh, Bashar. You recognize it, and you embody it, and your people follow you. That's why you can do whatever you want. So thanks for being a leader in our industry. Thank you for coming on. Uh, this you. was fantastic. I don't know where we're going to get to travel again. Uh, I don't know what your bucket list items are for 2021, but I hope you fulfill them. And you know what I tell people again, if you want to travel, the airlines and the hotels have been fantastic, right? Because they're allowing you to get out of it easily. Book the damn travel for two reasons. One, it'll mentally transport you there, right? If you want to go to Fiji, go search for hotels in Fiji and book it now because mentally you'll be in a happy, sunny beach place. Ultimately, you can cancel if you want because I think if you book we hoteliers will see things moving, will start feeling better. And I think the economic engine just starts unclogging a little bit. Now, again, the burdens on us, the travel industry, hotels, airlines, et cetera, to allow you to say, look, if you can't travel, no harm, no foul, cancel, get your money back, zero question asked. 
for the next year. But I think getting momentum out there really creates positive mental thinking, as I was mentioning. And I think people will be, and again, when you book, share it with everyone, you know, hey, I just booked the trip in Fiji in October and I'll hopefully encourage others to book because we need people to believe the end is near and see it happening in terms of bookings. All right, I'm waiting for your next Instagram moment then, Bashar. You got it, you got yeah. it. Yeah, go travel, show us something great, make us jealous. Yep. I appreciate you being you. Thanks. Thank for you so much. I'm delighted to be here. I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on.